Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. Excited to be back with you, everyone, as always, talking here on July 13th. It is early morning. I'm mentioning the day and the time because, you know, in this, even though it's the offseason, even though we're still two weeks away from training camp, you never know what is going to happen in the news. And there are some things still lingering out there for the Washington football team. You got the Brandon Sheriff franchise tag, the deadline is on Thursday. You got the Jonathan Allen contract extension and who knows what else is going to get cooked up even by their own internal uh, PR situation. And I do want to get into that aspect and how they've been kind of working overtime. It's clear. It's clear on a lot of fronts. Not, I'm not even saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying there's a lot going on over there in Ashburn that I want to get into. Uh, But as for this episode of the podcast guest today, uh, my, my my friend and colleague with the athletic Zach Berman, insider for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, I I don't have a power ranking of all, all the uh, uh, NFL insiders that we have over at the athletic, and obviously, you know, I'm not just saying this, but you know, it's pretty obvious we have a lot of really impressive people. Zach's going to be super high on that list uh, as far as insight, uh, knowledge, uh, the the ability to articulate. What, what what he what he sees what he hears um zach does a great job and uh, i'm excited to talk to him i'm doing normally i do these intros after i talk to the guest doing this one before just from a time crunch so i'm excited to see kind of everything that zach and i get into and also uh, i'll i'll I'll, I'll share some thoughts on um uh on sheriff on, on allen as well as if i have time i'll get into some team usa fun because team usa is having no fun right now the men's basketball team zero and two this is always a big passion project topic of mine and i do have some thoughts i want to get into is what the hell is going on with this team but first off just a quick reminder you can of course find this podcast on itunes spotify anywhere you do your podcasting quickly on the itunes thing i've mentioned this uh many times before i'm gonna do it a few more times though uh i'm gonna make a push a few more times before we get to training camp it it is a huge help when everybody jumps in there and has has time to drop a a a five-star rating leave a review this is how it, it is um podcasts are tracked by the various people who track these things don't ask me how it all works but apparently this all matters um and it's it's been huge you guys have been great um, and, and I really appreciate it. I, I, I always, I, I always get leery when I say drop a five star rating. Look, obviously, I don't want you to drop a one star rating, right? Uh, the five star rating is what helps, and I hope it's earned. I hope, I hope you guys are enjoying it. It feels like people are when they talk to me, but you know, maybe people are just being nice. But in any event, I, it really helps. I really appreciate it. And even beyond the other aspects of of this, like I said, you know, for, for the outside world caring, I just appreciate the fact that people give a crap, and I want other people who are into this football team to give a crap uh, about this and knowing that I care and, and, and like to talk about it and, and so on. So there's, there's that of course, over on the athletic, you can find um, my written work and there's a new piece up today. Um, I had a prominent um, NFL scout was it with some executive experience uh, talk to me about the, the, uh, the, the rookies on Washington's uh, team this year that he had time to uh, evaluate uh, plus some views from the coaching staff, on these players, obviously, Jamin Davis, Sam Cosme, Deami Brown, and others. Some really interesting comments uh, for sure. And maybe I'll get into some of that next time or as we get closer to training camp. All right. I want to get into uh, 
mention what's going on with the Washington's PR staff. And first, let me just say this. Um, this time of year leads itself from in our profession, leads itself to certain stories getting a lot of attention that otherwise shouldn't really warrant it to the degree. And why is that? Well, nothing's happening, right? <laughs> At least in the NFL world, right? Major League Baseball is in the middle of, you know, it's all-star festivities. They just had the home run derby last night. Props to Trey Mancini from my Orioles for making it all the way to the finals. What an in- incredibly inspiring story it, it, coming back from, from 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 a colon cancer diagnosis to just not just play baseball to you know thrive in the all star in the uh, home run derby. Uh, you know Shohei Otani, all that stuff. Okay, great. Um, NBA you got the you got the finals. That's kind of a big deal. NHL they just completed the Stanley Cup finals. Um, NFL this is the off season, right? So it's not expected to be a lot. So when there is anything, anything that somebody can write about, I've been in this situation. If you're an aggregator, if you're a, uh, you know, um, if you're if you're a person whose job it is is to update the, the website multiple times a day, you're praying for any kind of news. So when it comes out that Jason Wright, the team president, as he as was the case on Monday, puts out a, a one of his missives, uh, his statements, his, his his blog post, whatever you want to call it, on the team website, and he he gives a detailed explanation that this team will not use, when it comes to the name change, will not use any Native American imagery connection, and that includes the the name Warriors. Oh, wow. This was news. Can you believe it? I mean, definitive. Nothing's going to happen. And and, and I tweeted about it. I I am a reporter of this team, and got, you know, this part of my job, and I tweeted about it, and my tweet, I I don't always get into trending on Twitter, but my tweet trended on Twitter, not because of anything I did, but because of the Jason Wright... um, comments and I, and I pointed that out and what's notable to me is how this is such a fascinating move from a PR perspective because let's look at what he actually said and why it absolutely means nothing <laughs> and yet people act like it meant a lot I'm not going to use Native American um, anything I mean really <laughs> I, I look I get it there are people out there who will you know We'll never get over the fact that the, that Washington dropped Redskins. I understand that, but taking that emotion aside, once that once that die was cast, and it's been you know a year ago today. In fact, I'm not even making this up. A year ago today is when the Washington Redskins were no more, and they became a blank team. And it was a little bit later that the Washington Football Team part of this came on board. It's been one year of our lives that we've been talking about this, and. Literally, from the moment that it was announced that they were actually doing this, I mean, did we really think they would go back? Now, to, to that, now maybe if under in, in, at that exact moment in time, who knows, right? You still had Dan Snyder running things. There was no Jason Wright yet. The, the, the infrastructure changes, you know, internally hadn't been made. So it's not like we didn't know what, where, where things were headed. Obviously, they, they, they were headed in a pretty, you know, professional direction as far as the hires that have, that have followed, starting with, um, Jason Wright in terms of the business side of, of, of things, right? And I've written about it a, a bunch of times. I wrote about it then, and obviously we had a big piece recently about the name change process and how it, you know, what 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 it entails and so on. But obviously they weren't going to rename the team something with regarding Native Americans. Of course not. Um, uh, and as far as warriors go, it's a little confusing, right? Because you have the Golden State Warriors, and we all have used that term "warriors." It doesn't feel like it's necessarily connected to Native Americans. Now, I'm not smart enough to know all the history behind this, but there is a connection to this. But the the Marquette um, 
basketball program, the athletic program um, in college. They were at one point the Marquette Warriors. And then back in like the 90s, I think, they changed it. Um, what are they now? The Gold Eagles? Something like that? Um, they changed it. Um, I, I, you know, you'll have to talk to whomever it is, experts in this in this field to explain that. But that's not really my, my point. Warriors has been linked to that throughout uh, the, and look, uh, there there may be some other aspects of this. Well, they they didn't have the trademark on this. They had, I think, they had it at one point, and they let it lapse. Again, we've talked before about how whatever the name is going to be, it's taken this long as the process because the 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 group under Dan Snyder took no time on their own to figure out what would happen just in case one day they actually did need to change the name, whether by force or whether by the, the, their their moral value compass changed, whatever it might be, right? They never had a plan, and thus, when it when they were forced into doing something, and more or less that they had they had this is why we are where we are. But anyway, the point is that Jason Wright writes blog posts, so this is not a- abnormal. But this one got a lot of attention again, part because of the dead time of the year, and also because he makes it seem like it's a thing, and like it's not a thing. I don't understand why people <laughs> went went cuckoo for this. But the point is that. The Washington football team got a lot of positive press yesterday because the team president stated two things, no Native American connection and no Warriors. He stated two obvious things that got a lot of attention because that's what good PR is about in some level. You, you, it isn't just always about, we, we often think of PR as like big crisis happens. How do you spin this? How do you get yourself out of it? It's sometimes that for sure, of course, but it's also a lot of, hey, um, let's, what do we, what can we do? to get some positive vibes out there. And let, let's just be clear. Like I'm not putting this, I mean, that was a, his own statement, right? I mean, we've all been, you know, w- w- all of us in these, in this medium, when you, when you're talking, you know, I've, I've interviewed Jason right now multiple times, including from the, <clears throat> for the recent story I did on the name change process. Um, right. I've done some recent stories about they're changing the turf over at FedEx field. It's an interesting story. I enjoyed recently, you know, looking into it and talking to people about it and the process. And look, obviously we've all discussed how, how bad that grass has been historically over there, but like, it's a story that it puts them in a positive light. They're spinning things forward. They're making these necessary changes both for this year. And as they're getting ready for a new stadium and so on and so on. So good PR doesn't have to be negative or nefarious or whatever but the point is it exists this is just an example of where it exists and it's just like wow it's crazy that people think this was a big story which leads me to from a pr perspective they are very good right now at or much better i should say right now at getting out a message there's coherence to it there's a build-up to it they talk to this outlet they talk to that outlet they talk to you know they talk to these people about this thing, they talk to these people about this other thing. Jason Wright is getting out there. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear him on a podcast um, anytime soon. Whatever is happening, there is a cohesive message. And you can also see that when we were dealing with the Dan Snyder situation before the NFL announced that, uh, that they were going to find the organization $10 million. He did that interview with the Wall Street Journal, which was the, one of the weirder interviews I've ever seen in the sense that this guy who is, you know, a, a, a recluse with a, with a bad reputation comes across as a guy who needs to, you know, as, as if the, as if the issue with the organization was Dan Snyder not being involved enough. Um, it was, it was bizarre on that front, but that was a calculated move by the organization to have him speak and do it, I guess, in, in, in a place that they thought that the message would come off best. Um, what, what, what have you. Um, 
it's interesting to watch this, and I'm not even to be clear. Yes, I am making fun of everybody on the on the outside for falling for some of this stuff because again, I I don't really understand what is happening here. I remember did I already say this? I don't think so. Like last year it was in June, I wrote a story about how why why I think Washington is to trade Ryan Anderson, which you know as I will have said then, will say again, I was obviously right 100. percent But point is that it was a dead time of the offseason. It wasn't that big of a deal. And everybody made made hay of this because people were desperate to write about something. People were, were, were needing content. They, they, they needed to aggregate. They needed to write their own column. They needed something. This was a thing. They took it. They ran with it. That's what happens at this time of year. It's no different necessarily than this thing. Uh, I'm just a little more you know, at least the Ryan Anderson thing was something sort of like completely out of left field. So therefore it was new and shiny. Whereas this other stuff, by and large, not that exciting. I mean, Yes. Cool. The president said something that's worth noting. What did he say? Not going to use Native American name imagery. Uh, uh, okay. Great, Jason. Appreciate that. I think we knew that. Oh, we didn't know that? Everybody? According to everybody? Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, there you go. And and the bottom line is, if you want to be optimistic about where things are going with this team, I'm not saying you want to be optimistic because there's PR spinners in Ashburn. No, nobody really necessarily likes that. But it's a sign of competence, a sign of a plan. It's a sign that somebody over there is thinking beyond, you know, some some gut reaction, something how to get out of a problem or or how to spite somebody. Things that seem to be the presiding mindset in prior years of, over there. Um, you know, I, it would be interesting to see with this group what would have happened with Kirk Cousins' situation. I'm not saying that Jason Wright would have anything to do with whether. They use the franchise tag repeatedly or, or to get a deal done. But just more from a spin perspective, you know, I know that's the football side of the building, but just the mentality overall. And obviously Ron Rivera is new and he's pretty good at some of this stuff as well. But it's interesting to see this um, and to see what they would do. So all, all I can say is, you know, kudos to the Washington PR staff. There's, there, there's two different divisions of the PR staff. There's the football side, the one I deal with mostly. And then there's the business side. Um, the business side is the one where I'm sort of more talking about here. And th- they're doing a good job. And, you know, I hate to say it, but the public is falling for a lot of this. And that's what happens. We all, I, look, I, I see things, on, I see advertising on TV and I shouldn't buy shouldn't buy this product. And yet I end up doing it because I was like, oh, you know, I, I, I could, uh, I, I I I could use a new blender. Ooh, I'd like to I'd like to go to that see that movie. It looks good. Um, you know, spin is spin, and you know, I, we we see it all the time. And it's 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 okay it's okay to be like to to like something. But in this case, since I'm taking this seriously as a news person, it's just fascinating to see how everybody's reacting and reacting to things that are already have been established as news or just so obvious it didn't even need to be said, and yet. Good PR can learn to take advantage of all these things, and the Washington football team's PR is doing that right now. Um, I don't know what they would spin about the Brandon Scherf situation, but like I said, we're basically 24 hours, or sorry, 48 hours away from the uh, trade deadline. I have not heard anything different on this front. There obviously hasn't been any new reporting out there on this front. Um, Brandon Scherf's agent um, is not somebody who is a uh, you know major public presence. He's not a Drew Rosen house where, where, where maybe you have a chance that he himself would say something. That's not happening. We heard from Jonathan Allen, obviously, back during the mini camp and all that. And he said, hey, look, I, I want to stay. I want to be part of this. I'm from here. You know, I, I will hopefully things can work itself out. Um, oh, wait a minute. I just said Jonathan Allen. I, I'm talking about Brandon Scherf. Don't mind me. Um, 
Brandon Scherf also did say he hopes to stay and, and things like that. But obviously we've gone through this before. And as I stated, you know, even before he was given the franchise tag, if he, if he gets the franchise tag, I would imagine that's the end of Brandon Scherf in Washington because he's going to get the tag. Um, it's paid him eight, just over $18 million. That now becomes the new baseline of a, of a salary conversation with the organization. You, you're not going to take it. You're not, not going to go backwards necessarily. I mean, here's the thing, right? Other players signed or were given the franchise tag. Other players on the other teams, like, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, up in the Giants and Denver, they had situations where players were attacked, and they ultimately got deals done, right? So it's it's not like it can't be done if both sides are motivated, but I don't know, for whatever the reason, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, this is more of a gut thing, I'm not reporting this, it just doesn't feel like the Brandon Sheriff side is that into this. Now, even from the Washington side, though, I'm curious about the motivation from a standpoint that, a lot. That's a lot of money. We already know they're going to have to pay the defensive lineman a bunch of money. Brandon Scherf played well last year. He was named All Pro. We can debate whether you know he was truly one of the two best guards in the NFL last year, but he played well. You know, um, but you know he's had the injury history for sure. And you know, paying any guard, forget the eighteen million. You know, Joe Thune is getting over. Uh, you know, on the on paper he's getting around seventeen million a year. That's a that's a ton of money for a guard. Um, you know, I'm curious about Washington's. True long-term commitment to Scherf as well. Did did Ron Rivera just simply decide, hey, we want this deal done. We're going to worry about 2021. He said things like this before, just in general. We're worrying about 2021, and we'll see where we're at later. Um, the interesting thing is, like, let's just say Scherf today, he was out. They, they make a trade, whatever it is, he was out. You know, I, I don't, I mean, Washington doesn't have anybody, obviously, as good as Brandon Scherf. But West Wrighter was solid last year, and we've seen Eric Flowers be productive here. He wasn't as good in Miami, according to those who were watching him day in, day out. Um, you also have Sadiq Charles, right? Who, um, you know, obviously basically hasn't played in the NFL, but there's a lot of promise there, and they were using him at guard uh, to start off uh, you know, in his only game he played last year, and even some some of the lesser guys like a Tyler Larson or maybe even a Keith Ismail. Like they they have some options. Obviously, nobody as good as, as Sheriff, but you know, it makes me wonder for the long haul. You know, it's 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 not like when Trent Williams was was on the shelf. You're like, oh wow, they really have nothing out there. They had to go out and get Donald Penn just to help, uh, just to help fill in. You know, they they had to draft um, a Sam Cosme and sign a Charles Leno to have some more um, depth because they just didn't have enough last year. Uh, I mean, Cornelius Lucas did a solid job filling in, but you know, um, I don't think anybody was viewing him as the long term answer at left tackle. So, uh, you know, I, I feel like they they may have some more options to guard, but we'll see. We don't know for sure. City Charles hasn't played. Essentially, and why did Miami just dump flowers? But the larger point is, we'll have to see where where things are at um, with with Sheriff here going forward. But in I'd, in in forty eight hours from now, I guess I'd be surprised if we hear that the two sides came to any type of long term deal, which means Brandon Sheriff plays out the tag and likely plays the twenty twenty two season with another team um, because you don't take a pay cut where you are, and there's no way Washington is going to give him a third franchise tag. That's just um, not realistic. As for Jonathan Allen, uh, sort of the same boat. Haven't really heard anything new on that front. Um, we, I guess I'm a little surprised if we're getting this close to training camp that we haven't heard anything. But, you know, again, it's a big decision. And what, how does Washington, I've talked about this many times, how can they pay all those first-round picks on the defensive line, a second contract? You've got Matt Ioannidis also. We can even throw Tim Settle in there. How can you give all these players a second contract at the same essential position, the same unit? That's a big it's big expense for one spot, and I think that's a challenge that Ron Rivera 
um, is going to have to consider. All right, but here's my where I'm going to consider. I'm going to consider stopping here, getting to my guy, Zach Berman. A lot more to talk about about Washington football, and I'll get the USA, uh, it's Team USA at the end of this, here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, as promised, joining us here on the Standard Room Only Podcast is our go-to Philadelphia Eagles insider, Zach Berman, who looks refreshed. He's He's, he's been... Uh, Getting some 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 downtime a little bit as we all ha- have been gearing up for training camp, but it's it's about that time we were just discussing the idea of going back to work and being excited about it because we really haven't been around these these players at all uh, out you know face to face and sounds like at least on this end we're gonna get to some of that when you know not locker room but we're gonna get some something some type of face to face we're actually going away to Richmond for the first week of training camp which is where nice. they have done it historically yep. but then we'll be back in Ashburn what's your guys deal you guys is it just a facility are they, are they going anywhere yeah team facility the Eagles have been at the team facility since 2013 since Chip Kelly's first year they were at Lehigh University before that and they like the way training camp functions better at the team facility so I, I know that there are fans who wish they were at Lehigh every practice was open to the public that kind of thing but uh, no they'll be at at the team facility and and we'll be there and it'll be uh it'll be a good change of pace uh being on the practice field and actually seeing these guys in action. You know, I I I I've explained this, you know, you're obviously on Twitter and you talk to people. Like some people don't understand like why what's the importance of the of reporters having access, being in the locker room. I'm obviously I think everybody would understand well the idea of like you if you're gonna cover the team, you need to be able to talk to the principals who were involved, but the idea of like, well, you can't just do that over Zoom and can't you just do that as a group? Why do you need to do it? one-on-one and all that and look, I always try to explain it like well look I mean even if it's not something direct even if it's not like I get like an op- a direct quote or I see some amazing interaction that leads to a story just seeing how people interact with each other other human beings right we're all the time people watching mm-hmm. is kind of a thing and we're, we've been de- deprived of people watching and then the second component of we've been deprived of basic small human interactions of just hey how's it going you know. Yeah, for me, it's 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 really the the, the building of relationships and and because because that's I mean I mean that's critical. Like I I do think fans see the press conference interactions and, and they think that's the extent of the relationships. But the reality is, if if you are around someone, you know, four or five days a week for X amount of months a year, you know, five months a year. Uh, you start to get to know them a bit. They get to know you a bit, not the way you know your friends, but sometimes the way you know a colleague who you might pass in the office, that kind of thing. And I also think there's there's a degree of accountability, or I should say more than a, a, a degree, a, a lot of accountability that comes with being there every day, that they know who you are, they know what you're writing, they know what you're asking, um, and good or bad, uh, it's it's incumbent upon the reporters to be there. So I I, I think from the na- from the perspective of relationships, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's being around them every day, whatever it may be, uh, the face to face interaction is critical. And I mean that's that's true across the board. Whether you're talking about the best player or somebody who's yeah. a, a on the practice squad, you never know. I mean how things evolve and again at, at a basic level like we're all people <laughs> you know you hopefully you can be a have a good relationship with people and get to know them be nice to them or whatever it is and also you know from a work perspective hey there may be a day where you say hey uh, i'm working on a story on this do you sure. have any thoughts on that and you need somebody to to, to to help fill in some gaps 
and and that's where you know you hopefully have built up some some good some good equity now in your case but no and and then I, i would also add add in there like think about you know for anyone listening here think about what the 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 way you would speak if everything you're saying is being broadcasted uh you know on on the internet on on television to a large group of people compared to how you would talk to someone one-on-one when there's no camera in your face so there's a lot of nuance that can be lost when everything is a virtual press conference setting and and that's that's not to bemoan what's happened during the past year and a half because it's completely it's obviously been uh, necessary and it's been important but i i think when you talk about the the value the importance of the reporter athlete relationship it's to get that nuance um so it helps both sides frankly yeah, and you mentioned the the, the idea of being on camera. I mean, the bane of my existence. You know, God bless all the TV people. Many got a lot of friends. I love them, but there's nothing worse when you're talking to somebody one on one because it is a very different dynamic yeah. when it's just two people. I mean, yes, I have a recorder out or I'm taking notes, but it's not that it's not that big of a deal. And then the TV the, the camera guy comes over, sees you're talking to a player, and it's like, oh, I'd like to get involved in this. And all of a sudden, the the, the tone changes. Because yeah. now this player understands that what is being said is going to be seen, not just it may, may, may not even be heard or or, mm-hmm. or, or at minimum, may, maybe you'll see some words on the page or maybe it'll never be. You never know what's happening. And uh, that it absolutely changes. I mean, just that's one thing, by the way, I like about doing podcasts. This feels more like that conversation versus when I go on the radio. That feels like sure. um, that that feels like the the player being talked to by the camera, rather camera people. And that it, it, it does change that dynamic um but one player like you have not been around that you said that's kind of important in your world is the starting quarterback of the eagles uh jalen hurts uh he you know we have the same issue here with chase young obviously you know a guy who's more or less the face of the franchise and haven't even been around him but in your case look the quarterback position it is what it is it's incredibly important volatile there's you know so much hinges on that specific position on, on on all fronts and now you have this kid who you know did showed some good things last year, but you know I didn't think it was particularly impressive in the Week 17 um, game against the, the the Washington football team before he was you know benched for for Nate Sudfeld for obvious you know yeah <laughs> you know because because of course that needed to happen. Um, but Jalen Hurts big big moment big step. What what are your expectations for him? Both as now you, he's going to be out there more because the media is going to be around more, but also more importantly what he's going to do out on the field. I'm fascinated to see uh, because obviously he he showed flashes last season. It was a small sample size. It was a four game sample size, really. And but the the team was a mess last year. Like uh, I mean, I, I think anyone who would observe that would admit as much. So it's it's really hard to get a good gauge on on what he is. And he's really in like the organization and hurts. It's it's this critical almost wait and see year, right? They, I, I don't think they have this ironclad long-term commitment to him being the quarterback. I, I think they'll, they'll see what he can do this year. And there are a lot of, uh, you know, physical abilities that are really impressive and the intangible characteristics are like through the roof. That's, 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 that's one thing that you hear often about him, but ultimately uh, if, if he's going to be the quarterback here long-term, he's going to have to be a more efficient passer. Uh, now, I, I, I know statistics can be de- I know statistics can be deceiving, but when when you're a, a 52% passer, 53, a 53% passer in that range there, uh, that's 
that's a concern. Like there, 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 there needs to be fewer passes that hit the ground. So that's, that's what I'm seeing there. I, I, I think he has big play potential both with his arm and obviously with his feet, but he needs to be more efficient, like on a play to play basis. And so uh, I'm, I'm eager to see what he's able to do because he's going to have that opportunity and so much of this franchise's future hinges on whether or not he's the guy uh, because, because what they've done this off season and, in terms of the Carson Wentz trade, in terms of their, their draft day trades, is is collect future assets uh, to have that optionality for the future. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a fascinating dynamic. I mean, like, you know, look, like everybody else, I, I don't watch a ton, a ton of college football, but it's pretty hard if you're going to watch any to not watch Alabama. So, you know, I remember watching, you know, him, Hurts play there, and, you know, he looked like a totally reasonably fine college quarterback, you know, a guy who's going to make more plays with his legs than his arm, and then obviously they bench him. Uh, for Tua, and then he transfers to Oklahoma, and then he does the thing that people do when they get to Oklahoma. They start exactly. they start throwing the ball around. But I remember thinking, like, yeah, okay, I don't know. Uh, again, not an NFL scout. Just wasn't looking, thinking to myself, well, this is a guy that looks like a, a, an NFL starting quarterback, even though there are a lot more players who sort of fit his profile, your Lamar Jacksons and so on. So I was a little surprised when the Eagles drafted him in the second round, and I don't think that's probably a, a – I think a lot of people probably had some – surprise in part also because of the Carson Wentz thing and you you know you're the expert on this and people should absolutely go back and read Zach's work including the the, the story that he did with with Bo Wolf and Shil Kapadia on the complete uh, un- unraveling of the Eagles organization definitely one of the best things I read um this year and it seems pretty apparent that Carson Wentz wasn't a big fan of them drafting another quarterback so at a bare minimum uh, they it, it kind of messed with Carson Wentz. I know there's a lot of other components, but it kind of messed with him. On the other hand, when you got to this year, the Eagles had the sixth pick in the draft, right? They, they, they were in position to draft a quarterback if they wanted in a year in mm-hmm. which a bunch of quarterbacks Absolutely. were there. And yet you they almost screwed themselves because how could you then draft a quarterback having just taken Jalen Hurst in the second round and essentially forced out Carson Wentz accordingly? You basically, it felt like at least from the outside, they were sort of pot committed to Jalen Hurts so he's it's not like I mean look Dwayne Haskins stunk here <laughs> if he's the 15th pick of the draft you can't even get two years out of him that's a problem but it didn't like it didn't necessarily did, did I don't know if anything else changed necessarily because of his presence they were going to take Chase Young probably anyway I guess if you'd say he doesn't exist maybe they take Justin Herbert at number two but I can't really worry too much with Chase Young um, but in this case, the Eagles clearly, I would think, steered away from taking a quarterback here. So, and then lost a the quarterback there. So, Jalen Hurts is a lot on his shoulders, and it's really going to be fascinating to see if he can step up. Yeah, but but where I would disagree with you is I I don't think what they did on oh I like it when people disagree uh, leading up to the draft should be interpreted as as like this this commitment to Jalen Hurts. I I, I think uh, now now certainly you can say that. They like you know, that that they're in, in, intrigued by Hertz, but I I don't think they passed on Justin Fields or Mac Jones um, because because those are really the only two quarterbacks we're talking about. They 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 weren't in position uh, for obviously Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. Um, but Trey I, Lance I, went third. Yeah 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 Trey Lance he too. Um, now I don't know if when they made the 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 trade. Uh, from six to 12, they knew Lance was, was going third, but clearly they knew a quarterback was, was going three. Um, now I, 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 I don't think they, they, they made those moves because they said Jalen Hurts is our guy. I think what they, what they wanted to do was I, I use the term optionality. I, I think they, they wanted to have that flexibility 
Hurts can become the quarterback. And if he's not the quarterback, then they're in position next year where they have up to three first round picks uh, and they have cap space because of the Wentz trade that they'll, they'll be in position to either draft the quarterback or trade for Deshaun, you know, if, if Deshaun, if the Deshaun Watson situation changes to the point that he's playing football somewhere, the Eagles could be in position to trade for him or other quarterbacks who might become available. Uh, so I, I think it was more a commitment to the alternative than it was a commitment to Jalen Hurts. Now, that being said, the Eagles at, at number six, and then frankly, when they traded from number 12 to number 10, they were in position to take Justin Fields there too, and they did not do it. And I, I do think it's it's fair if Justin Fields goes on to be a top-of-the-league quarterback or a playoff-caliber quarterback, and the Eagles are kind of playing this 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 quarterback shuffle, if you will, I think it's it's a fair criticism because um, – you know, they, they were, they're very seldom drafting in the top 10. And when you have a top 10 pick and you have a need, a quarterback and you don't take a quarterback, uh, that's a major organizational decision. Yeah. And, and, um, and I'm with the look in general, like it feels like commitment to anybody, a coach or even some players is not nearly what it was a few years ago. Like, even, like I said, even, I mean, Dwayne Haskins thing kind of just blew up in a lot of ways, but like, you know, t- teams are, are more willing to sort of make, um, you know, to, to pull the rug, I guess I'm thinking maybe more of my NBA brain, but in general, I think, I mean, Carson Wentz got a, a $127 million contract in 2019. Right. And they just traded him um, this off season. So, yeah. So I, I, I think you are seeing that, 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 that there is more flexibility there, but I do think if the Eagles had their druthers, it it would be to have that quarterback long-term, what they thought Carson Wentz was going to be before that situation deteriorated. Right. Absolutely. I just, it would have just been fascinating if they had actually either stayed at six or even at 10 or 12, picked a quarterback. Yep. They'd be like, well, wait, you just got rid of this guy and you drafted this guy. It would have been a whole other story. But yeah. the Eagles had plenty of other uh, interesting stories. They, they hired a new coach, Nick Sirianni. Um, I don't know if he got off to the best PR start, but like I, I had some like some pr- person, in the, a league source will just say, say that based on first impression he's like oh man based on who what he's showing in the in the in the philadelphia media market that this guy's gonna get adam gazed uh and pretty quick yeah yeah i i mean i i try not to read too much into into opening press conferences i i i do think uh i think the characteristics that they liked about sirianni are are coming through i think that opening press conference the organization did no favors. And now, now look, it's, it's part of the job, right? You're the head coach, but they were in a precarious situation where um, they didn't know what they were going to do with Carson Wentz at the time. And so you, you, it's, it's the clear question. You're, you're asking the new coach, who's your quarterback going to be. And I don't know how he, I don't frankly know if he was in position to answer that question. Right. So uh, I think some of the, the reaction, or, or I shouldn't even say reaction, some of what happened in that opening press conference had had to do with the situation the organization was in. But I, I do think that uh, uh, Sirianni is going to get a fair shake here. Um, I, I don't know if I would call it like an Adam Gase 2.0 situation, but I, I, I think that um, there are characteristics of him that uh, the Eagles are, are clearly uh, intrigued by, but there's also inexperienced and um, there's a lot of unknown and it's a young staff. And and so uh, this is a different situation than when Doug Peterson came in and he's someone who, now he wasn't their first choice by the way, but he was someone that they knew that had been in the organization before he had Jim Schwartz as his defensive coordinator. That's an established defensive coordinator. They had 
a lot of established coaches on that staff. Uh, this is a, a considerably different situation with Sirianni. It's it's um it's a young coach, a young staff, a lot a lot's unproven. I'm I'm fascinated to see how it materializes. And and you, to your point about the press conference thing, I mean, you know, look, it is it, it, we all do this right, especially if you're on social media. You see the clip of somebody having a gaffe or an expression, and we all like to make fun of them. And then from making fun of them. We, we we talk we 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 start to talk down to them. What makes us feel better about our own lives that somebody else is fucking up, right? And look, I mean, the reality, like, imagine having to be, even though the assistant coaches and and coordinators talk to media, it's very different when you're now in that in that big stage. And by the way, that is one reason why some people don't get jobs. I've talked about this before on the on the NBA side with with Patrick Ewing, who is now the Georgetown head coach. But for years, Patrick Ewing, who was an, an all time legend player toiled as an assistant he wanted to be an NBA coach he put in that work and never got that job even despite the fact his resume speaks for itself he everybody would win the, the press conference by saying Patrick Ewing but Patrick Ewing isn't the most comfortable person talking in front of a, in front of a mic relative to some others and from that face of the franchise perspective I, I would imagine that's got to be some factors into it he's pretty good on the X's and O's as I've seen at Georgetown but some of the other stuff is more you know you have to be able to communicate and talk this is a medium Ron Rivera talks to everybody at all times about all kinds of things, but he's also pretty good at it. You know, he, he, he gives you the, the corny jokes and, and some of the, you know, the, 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 some wisdom lines, and then he'll tell you a few things about the team here and there that all that stuff's important. It isn't just about that job. Isn't just X's and O's. It is all these other things, including um, being that face of the franchise. Um, so, okay. So if I have conversations that people ask me, where do I think that, you know, is Washington going to repeat as the NFC champions or what's going to happen? My, my basic answer is some version of, well, we'll see. They've got a much tougher schedule, insane quarterbacks they're going to have to face. Obviously, there's always the injuries. We'll see how Ryan Fitzpatrick goes. But in general, yeah, I think Washington's got a good chance to repeat. But Dallas and the Giants are also in that mix. I dismiss the Eagles across the board. Am I wrong to do that? Or are we missing something here with the Eagles? Should the Eagles be, and maybe you think so right now, should the Eagles be considered part of the NFC East? And, and look, we get it. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Washington was nowhere projected. They were two and seven last year and win and win the division. So who knows what's going to happen, but, um, or go on to win the division. So where, where are you and the Eagles? Should they be considered an NFC East contender? Or is it kind of maybe what you alluded to a little before? This is a roster that looks like it's more about the long term than it is. 2021 well i i certainly wouldn't you know put them as as a favorite or anywhere near there um you know i think dallas is the best team in the division going into the season uh but this is not a very good division as it is so when you look at a bad division anyone is 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 in theory a, a contender in a bad division right there's 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 no heavyweight in this division what i'll say about the eagles is uh is if if you're of the andy reed school of thought which is you build along the lines of scrimmage. Um, now there are older players coming off major injuries, but if the Eagles are healthy and that's a major if, the offensive line and the defensive line are among the best in the league, right? On the offensive line, I mean, they were historically injured last year. You know, the amount of combinations that they used, um, the amount of different starting lineups that they used. Uh, that first game against Washington, I mean, really kind of, exactly. sort of set, 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 seemed to set Philly back because Washington and sort of said, hey, Washington's defensive line is actually yeah. pretty good. But it was also, yeah, the Eagles are incredibly yeah. beat up. 
Exactly. And that was week one, right? You know, Brandon Brooks was, was out. Uh, Brandon Brooks didn't play all, all, all year last year. He, he might be the best guard in the NFL. Um, Lane Johnson, when he's healthy, is one of the best right tackles in the NFL. He was banged up all year, missed a lot of time. Jason Kelsey was healthy last year. He was really the only guy who was healthy all, all, all year. Isaac Samano, their starting left guard, he was on IR last year. So, so like they were, they were beat up on the line of scrimmage. And now those guys are, are you know, when you look at the right side, when you look at Johnson, Brooks, and Kelsey, they're, they're in their 30s. But if they can stay healthy, that changes a lot on, on offense. And then the defensive line, um, they're, 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 I, I don't think they're at Washington's level. But I'll put it this way. Ryan Kerrigan, who's, who's a, you know, one of the great players in, in, in Washington's recent history, he's their you know, fourth pass rusher here in Philly, right? You know, they, they, have, they have depth. All along the defensive line, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox is a Pro Bowl caliber player. Brandon Graham's a Pro Bowl caliber player. Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat have shown a lot of promise. Uh, uh, you know, they they have Javon Hargrave, who's a promising defensive tackle. So so they they have a lot of talent on the lines of scrimmage. And I, I think you saw it in, in Washington last year, right, that you can have questions at your skill spots. If you're good on the lines of scrimmage, you're, you're at least going to be competitive. And so I think the Eagles, if they're healthy, they'll be competitive there. And then a lot depends on how does Jalen Hurts progress. Is Devontae Smith the answer at, at wide receiver? Uh, does Darius Slay rebound? I, you know, but I, I do think when you look at this roster, there is talent, right? This is not like a, a gut rebuilding job. There, there are a lot of like established players who are among the better players in the league at their positions. I just think that there are too many questions to say that they are a contender in the, in the division. But yeah, I mean, if, if, if Hertz plays well, and if the line stays healthy, they're going to be in a lot of games this year. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like, like you said, you, if you have strong, if you're strong in the line, it covers up a lot of other areas. This is the whole point of football, of, build, of yeah. roster building. And that's, it's always weird when people don't get, yes, I get drafting offensive linemen. is not always sexy or maybe even interior defensive linemen, but that's how that's how this works uh you know you can get away with a lot of other stuff if you have that exactly. versus the other way around you can have a really good secondary but if you don't have a pass rush it's not going to be as a, you're not going to get as much bang um as much bang for the buck um two uh two basic last questions for you you mentioned um Devonta Smith I was just going to sort of curious I guess it doesn't have to be about him but like beyond Jalen Hurts and you mentioned a couple of guys who's the who's the pivot player for for the Eagles this year like in other words like a guy who like if this player really ha- steps up Again, maybe not Jalen Hurts because we discussed him, but if he steps up, maybe this could be a pretty – maybe they could be more interesting than we think, or maybe even if it's not to that degree in terms of the division, just who is a player that you're really intrigued to watch this year that could be you know, a big impact one way or the other for, for Philly. Yeah, Devontae Smith is the obvious answer because wide receiver ha- has just been such a problem for this organization in recent years, and they've thrown draft picks at it. They've thrown money at it. I mean, Deshaun Jackson couldn't stay healthy when they brought him back. Alshon Jeffrey regressed. Jalen Rager was their first-round pick in, in, in 2020, and he was inconsistent. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside was their second-round pick in 2019. He, it's not even inconsistent. He hasn't been productive at all. Uh, so they've, this has been a problem for this team. There's no question. Devontae Smith is coming in. Like It's, it's not hyperbole to say one of the, the great players in college football history, like a, a, a historical season last year, Heisman Trophy winner, wide receiver. Um, if if he can become the number one receiver for this team, 
then that changes a lot. And then on, on defense, there are a lot of questions about who their number two cornerback is going to be. If, 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 you know, tell me, because like, I don't think they know right now, <laughs> but Darius Slay before the Eagles acquired him was one of the top corners in the NFL. And uh, uh, if, if he plays like that, then that, that changes a defense. So I would say those two guys, I, I, I would say uh, because we addressed the offensive and defensive lines, but on, on the perimeter, if Devontae is your number one wide receiver and if Darius Slay is like a bona fide number one cornerback, um, those are pivot points for your team. Um, and, and then the last thing, obviously I'm asking you mostly about your team because that's obviously the logical thing to do, but you're a smart guy. You used to cover, you used to be down, down, in, the, down in this neck of the woods and obviously it's in the division. So I know you're paying a, 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 attention. Like what is it like? there's always something going on here. <laughs> Obviously in the last couple of weeks, it's been more on the ownership side, not necessarily on the, um, on the football side, but there's been a lot of things going on here. We mentioned the division. You said Dallas, you thought was, uh, had the best roster that, you know, and so on. And obviously, like I said, the giants showed improvement last year, but I'm just sort of curious, like from where you are up, up on 95, what, what are your thoughts on, on Washington? Does it look like things are changing that there's positive momentum under Ron Rivera or does it still feel like the sort of a clown car show that under Dan Snyder that it's been um, historically no clearly I mean there's there's reasons to be optimistic there and I I think what they've done on the defensive line like those those draft picks have had paid dividends right that's a group that when you play against that defensive line you are like that 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 changes a game that changes a matchup and then you know what Terry McLaurin's done at wide receiver um, you know, they, they, they have talent. Ron Rivera is held in very high esteem in Philadelphia, um, at, at least by Jeffrey Lurie, the owner. And, you know, within the organization, he was here under Andy Reid's staff. Uh, I guess my big question is, is what's your long, is, is what's their long-term plan at quarterback? Because uh, I understand the kick it down the road approach. If you are, um, you know, if, if you're not sold on, who's who's going to be there but it's it's not like they're in the in the business of asset collection here right you know they 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 haven't loaded up on future draft picks um and they're not designed to be at the uh you know at the top of the draft next year right you know so right. if if you're drafting in the teens low 20s again right what's how are you going to address quarterback? Like that's, so I, I, I just keep coming back to that because you either have a quarterback or you don't. So I, I, I think that you're saying, I understand. you're saying committing to 38 year old Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> who's bounced around all over the league. That's not, you're saying that's not a long-term. Solution. Yeah. So, so look, so if, if, if you're not sold on like Sam Darnold, I get it, or you don't want to pay up for Sam Darnold. Like I, I get it. But I, I thought that in year two of the operation this year, they would have been more aggressive trying to figure, you know, not going with a, another placeholder type, trying to figure out someone who's going to be there uh, for the next few years. And, and, and maybe is it Heineke? Maybe they think Heineke can be that guy. You would know better than me, but I, I thought that whether it was with one of those day two picks, whether it was in the trade market um, sign, you know, I, 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 I thought they would do more to a, a, at least, like, like get an option, get a possibility at quarterback beyond this season. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, they, they, they tried to get for Stafford. Yeah. That didn't work. They fell yeah. in 19 in the draft. And if they, if they could have traded up, I guess, to get Fields or Mac Jones because the Bears did yep. picking one pick later. And they chose not to. And, yeah, it's definitely 
it's a fascinating thing. It, it is weird. Like I think we've all sort of talked to ourselves into Ryan Fitzpatrick being reasonable. And yet then you're like, Oh wait, <laughs> wait, why, why are we saying this? I know he's played better the last couple of years, but like, I mean, it, it, I, 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 I feel like you may be the only other reporter in the league who's never covered Ryan Fitzpatrick before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. Um, we will. And, and I'll say this, like, you know, to bring the NBA comparison in, you know, I, I'm, I'm not advocating or, or, or saying that you should do what, what Sam Hinkie did with the Sixers, but basically like Sam Hinkie looked at the roster and, and said, you know, this is a middle of the pack team, right. That, um, you know, I didn't feel he had stars, right. Like, like, how do you get stars? Well, in the NBA, it's about how do you get stars in the NFL? It's how do you get quarterback? How do you get that quarterback? So, so what's your plan for getting that quarterback? Because what you don't want to be in the, in the NFL is that team who's winning like six, seven, eight, nine games every year. And, you're not in position to get the top guy and um, you know, you're, you're just kind of shuffling through. Like, so I'm, I'm fascinated to see what they do. I, I did a story this year compared, like had the wizards and the football team had very similar seasons started off terribly, had such stunningly late runs that pushed them into the playoffs, but also took them out of the lottery pick for the football, for the basketball team and took them out of drafting a quarterback without having to make another move on the football side. And it was sort of like, which one screwed themselves more long-term and yes, maybe which one benefited themselves, yeah. but which one screwed themselves long-term. And it's hard to, uh, it's hard to say, by the way, uh, I, I keep saying, I'll let you go. The, the, the process you, since you mentioned it, this will, this will go a long way towards determining whether you and I are going to be best friends or not. Are you <laughs> pro or anti the process? Well, so like, like this tends to be my answer with most things. I, I think it's more nuanced. Like I, I, I don't think this, the strategy is what should be assessed as much as, as like the, the, um, the execution of it. Right. You know, I, 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 am for the strategy. I, I, I think it makes sense, but um, you know, you're not, you know, there's a lot of teams that have loaded up on, on draft picks. You, you got to hit on your picks or you, you got to use your assets. And I know Sam Hickey didn't get to see it through obviously, but um, you know, they, they exhausted, their assets on Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. And they mm-hmm. use those draft picks on, you know, Markel Fultz was trade. in there. Markel Fultz was in there. Uh, Nerlens Noel. Like if, if, if I, I think you end up with Joel Embiid and I'm higher on Ben Simmons than a lot of other people are. Uh, but if, if you end up with two all-stars, that's, that's a really good situation. I just think that um, the execution uh, was flawed throughout the process, if you will. And, so I, I, I tend to look at the execution as much as the strategy. I, I like the strategy. I don't like the execution. Couldn't agree more. And like I always tell people, whatever it is, there's the end result, which is what most people will base their actual opinion on. And then there's the thought into the, that went into the strategy. And yeah. I will always lean into, tell me what the thought was. Even if, yeah. the, even if the end result doesn't work, tell me what the plan was. And if I, and in this case, the plan makes total sense. The, the only exactly. difference between the process and everybody else is they just, it was marketing. They put a name on being crappy. Everybody's always, half these teams. Are I, I think the fans did more than the organization did, but yeah, you're right. I, I don't think they ran away from it. Yeah. 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 And, 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 but, but then you have to execute. And the fact that they did get Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons showed that it did make sense. You threw enough darts at mm-hmm. these things and you landed with two guys who were all-star level players and then be beyond that. But yeah, you got to make everything else work. And that's, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's such a, it's just so fascinating how people look at these things. People always look at the end result, which is obviously important, but it's not always the story. Life gets in the way. And sometimes you make, 
you know, injuries happen, bad decisions, whatever. In any event, that's that's a different team, a different topic. I just love discussing the process because sure. I just think it's so fascinating when when people when some people don't see it did work, but in 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 it, it worked in principle, not necessarily in. Hey, you gotta get past the second round. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, go follow Zach on Twitter at zberm. Go read his stuff. Um, on the Eagles, it's a slow time of the year for all of us. So you know he'll he'll get cranking once we get to. Uh, um the training camp he's got a story up now as part of our football 100 series on steve van buren so go check that out steve van buren right i was, yeah, about, to say, buren, I was about to say martin van buren I <laughs> he's the that. president yeah yeah, like yeah. The eighth president i believe yeah <laughs> um awesome zach man always appreciate the time good luck with uh getting to meet jalen hurts maybe have a breath <laughs> mint before you before you do just in case you got it you all got right man. It. talk soon thanks man all right uh Great job from Zach Berman. Expected as much. I mean, like I said, I said before, I mean, Zach is an absolute uh, killer reporter. Um, you know, I've, I've said to you guys before, I don't really view myself as like a reporter in a traditional sense because I didn't come up a traditional way. But Zach is a is, is like if you're going to churn out a um, a reporter, uh, you know, you you know, what, what are the intangibles? If you're going to the reporter scouting combine, I think Zach has all the traits and he's a really good uh, person to, 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 to look into. You, you could tell from that conversation, he's going to keep the emotion in, in check. He's going to look at the facts as he sees them. He's going to look at the information and assess it. And I think he does a really good job covering that team and the NFL overall. Uh, last thing before we go, um, the, I, I don't have anything to say about the Wizards who remain now at this point, the only team in the NBA without a, uh, a head coach, uh, Orlando, has has named one the, the the Pelicans it appears are on the verge of naming one the Wizards we're going to wait and see but one thing that is happening in the NBA is Team USA is absolutely scuffling at this point through there as they're getting ready for the Olympics yes it's an exhibition game that they've lo- they lost once in Nigeria and now once Australia and people can say it's an exhibition game that is an absolutely that's absolute insanity I don't care what is happening it's not just exhibition games now the reality is that all the other countries in the world are more, are way more excited to face the U.S. than the U.S. is to face them or even to some degree be in this circumstance. Yes, the players will say all the right things about being in the Olympics. And obviously, historically, it's been a big honor. But, you know, a lot of these guys are getting paid insane money. They're playing at the top level of the world. They're the man on their own teams. And it's not always easy to come together. And this was a, a, a tricky circumstance. It was relatively short notice. There, there were, you know, the, the, because the NBA season has been pushed back, it's still, it, the finals are still happening. Um, you know, we're, we're through game three. Normally, the NBA finals would have ended by now. And the players, therefore, would either have at least even a minimal break, but, or at least, you know, could could get going here. Um, you know, there's... Um, Usually there's some form of tryouts, at least in some in some sense, right? Um, that didn't happen. They just sort of said to 12 players, hey, we want you to come in and, and do this thing. Um, here's my issue with Team USA right now. Obviously, they could easily rip off their next, you know, however many games they have left in this exhibition schedule as well as the Olympics. They could rip them all off and win every game by double digits and the world order will be uh, restored, but you know, as it, as it's been pointed out, like this team has actually struggled a bit, relatively speaking, under Greg Popovich, the current who's the current coach, obviously. And here here's my issue: I'm not going to tell Greg Popovich how to uh, coach a team. That would be a little bit insane. But I can talk about the roster m- composition because I have been on this. This is one of my mountains I die on all the time, and it drives me insane why they do this. 
I guess in order to secure the commitment of these top players, now not every top player is there this time, no LeBron, no Steph Curry, etc. But you still have Kevin Durant, you have Dame Lillard, you have Bradley Beal locally, right? I mean, Bradley Beal is a little bit different tier in the sense, but like whatever. Point is, you know, you, you have these players. And one way you have to, get to, you have to get these players is to kind of say to them, look, we need you to commit to us. But beyond that, you know, we'll, 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 you know, we'll, you'll probably make the team, especially if you're at a certain, a certain level, right? I mean, I don't think Kevin Durant was any, in any danger of not making the team. You know what I mean? Um, and so to the, the idea of having tryouts is a little bit weird, but even more than that, like, look, egos play a big factor in this. I'm sure guys like, you know, we, we dealt with this locally with John Wall for a while. He would go there and then not make the team and he would show his, um, his frustration with that. And, you know, hey, I, I appreciate the fact that John showed he really desperately wanted to play, even though it was pretty obvious to me he was never a really good fit because he's not much of a shooter. And, you know, you need uh, you need point guards for sure, but you need point guards who can sort of um, keep get get bring guys to, to together rather than just sort of be the person who's like handling the ball the most. And this is my issue with Team USA right now. I don't care what is happening. I don't care who else is on the roster. The two things you have to have for USA Team USA are this. One, you have got to have three legitimate point guards. You're throwing all these all-stars together. This isn't the all-star game where both teams are just haphazardly running up and down the court, throwing passes off the backboard, making highlight plays, the winning and the losing. That, that's not saying it's not nothing, but it's not the same as the Olympics. And because both sides are have the same mentality, it doesn't really make a difference if one side is more sort of lackadaisical than the other. In this case, the other teams are desperately trying to win and desperately trying to show that they can face the best team in the world in, in, in the USA. You've got to have a, because there, because this, there's no practice time, essentially you, you have these random pieces that are, are, are being asked in many ways to play different roles. You need, in other words, like Bradley Beal, even if he's starting for team USA, he's not the focal point of the offense, the way he is in Washington. Th- that is a different mentality when you're being asked to say, perhaps, you know, set picks, you know, be the guy who's going to have to dive on the ball, dive on the ground to get the loose balls. Um, you know, d- do the deep play, 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 the, play harder defense and focus less on offense. It is a different mentality. And one way you ad- ad- adjust to all that is having point guards on the court who can get everybody in position right now. The, e- even if everybody was there, there are still three players, not with team USA because they're in the Olympic or they're in the NBA finals. Uh, and that includes Drew Holiday, who would be the second point guard in this team with Damian Lillard. That's still it. I, I don't care that you can run an offense through Beal or through Durant or through Draymond Green. They're not point guards. There is a difference. Now, the NBA does not have as many of these true floor generals, you know, Chris Paul being the highest uh, form uh, 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 out there. But they needed some They need some other players like that. And to this point, I, I mean, I'm just using him as the because he's the local example. Ish Smith would be better on this team than having a fifth and sixth wing score, which is what they have on this team. They are overloaded on the wing. They they need somebody else to help run the offense, to get people going. You At a bare minimum, having a guy like an Ish Smith, again, I'm not saying him, you know, I don't need anybody going out on Twitter saying Ben Standard because Ish Smith should be on the Olympic team. What I'm saying is you need that type of player who can, can help run the offense. You don't need scores. You have... All over the place, guys that can get 30 points 
on any given moment, but you need the people around them to make that all to make that all work. And this is also leads into my second point, and that is on the twelve man roster. Like you can have the the top eight players, however you see fit, your Kevin Durant, your, your Dame Lillard, whatever you want. But then they'll uh, then after that, you need four players. I would say who fill specific roles. Okay, whatever that you think that's important, you need. A, a dead eye shooter. You need that third point guard. You need a rim protector. You need a wing defender. You need somebody who has high energy. Wh- whatever the thing that you think is that you need, do those things. Because what you what the key is, I don't mean like for example, I don't mean like saying take Kevin Love and Popovich apparently was saying that the reason Kevin Love exists is to have him be a stretch for to deal when you're playing with playing say France and you want to bring you know if Rudy Gobert is not going to come out take advantage of it by making those shots that's fine but I'm talking about like an actual role player who who can do some of those things who has that mentality as well Kevin Love I'm not picking on him per se but I mean Kevin Love's been an all-star player in this league an NBA champion an Olympian he's not thinking necessarily in role player terms and why would he that's not been his 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 role get the you know, you can. It's fine to have the Ish Smiths of the world. You know, Joe Harris on the Nets is a guy that comes to mind. You know, uh, maybe he's. You know, maybe he hasn't come up in big spots in, in in the NBA world, so maybe he's not ideal. But I'm just saying, you know, in terms of a shooter, I'd rather have a guy like that. Like you know, to, to use another local example and a recent example, a guy like Kevin Herter um, with the Hawks. I get it. I'm not saying Kevin Herter or, or Ish Smith or Joe Harris or among the 12 best players. In the world, obviously they're not, but that's not the point. The point is to win the gold medal. It isn't just to put the 12 best players you have, throw them out, and see what happens. Have a roster that makes sense. It drives me freaking insane that they keep putting out these all-star type rosters. Now, there was a point when post-Dream Team where they did at least have a couple of players at the back of a roster. Tayshaun Prince is one that always comes to mind because I was like, I mentioned, remember him because I predicted, he was somebody that I was saying would be ideal for this spot because he was essentially serving in that role when he was with the Pistons and then he actually did make um, the, the 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 team. So like I, I, to me, like that's the type of thing that I would, I, I, I would have, um, you know, I, th- that I think is... Um, you know, I think it's important. I mean, just to use like some of the, you know, just like some of the finals, like, you know, uh, a, a PJ Tucker, again, I'm not saying him necessarily specifically, but a guy who knows his workmanlike player, he's a, a solid defender, can hit a three. A guy like that will give you something more. He'll be, he'll be burning to play out there. He'll give you something more than another all-star who can score 24 a game on a team that doesn't need another 20 point score. I don't understand why they keep building the rosters like this, unless there's something to be said for if they're going to ask for the commitment of these all-star level players that they can't just say, well, you might get beat out effectively by a PJ Tucker because we want to do certain things. So that's the part that to me, it's incredibly frustrating. Again, we'll see. They may go run the table. They obviously have plenty of talent and it would be great to see Bradley Beal in particular have that kind of success on the bigger stage. But at the same point, I just don't understand why you build a roster this way. I'm not saying that this roster, even without that, extra point guard or some of these role players should should necessarily be losing to uh Nigeria and Australia. Look, I mean all the all credit in the world to Patty Mills, who is one of those players where he just is so much better on the international stage. He obviously can play on the NBA level. He's not viewed as a uh starting point guard, but in the international stage, you know, his ability to score, his creativity, his confidence 
really lends itself. This was the thing for years with Sharunas Yesakavichis, the, the former Maryland player who who played for a minute in the NBA and you know was never really a rotation player. But when he was uh, playing over in international ball, he was one of the 10 best players in the world. He plays with confidence. His team responds. And that's a big thing. By the way, also, the other teams are more teams than the U.S. is because they have typically played together. They don't have as deep of a pool. Like the the, the, the roster here, you could, have, you could throw at every one of these players, bring in another group, and nobody would know. The, the, the difference, you know, you could swap out Kevin Durant for, for James Harden. You could swap out Dame Lillard for, for Steph Curry and, and so on. And they would still have good players, but that's the point. It's not a team. It's just a collection of talent. It's not a team versus these other countries, even the ones with NBA players. Typically, it's the same group playing over and over again. That can't be discounted as well. So, well, which Team USA the best? Uh, it is interesting. By the way, I will just say, if, they, if this thing continues to implode... I know this has nothing to do with the Spurs, but I think people will take a longer look at Greg Popovich because we are now a couple years removed from Tim Duncan uh, retiring. And it was just like with Brady and Belichick. It's this Duncan and Popovich thing. And where's the chicken and the egg? I was always more definitive on Duncan being the the, the reason for the success but beyond, besides uh, Popovich. And, and to some degree, I think that sort of played out. I mean, you know, even things like, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who obviously you can't compare to others, but he begged out of San Antonio after Duncan left. He seemed to be okay with Tim there. Um, Greg Popovich was still there. He, 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 he went away. But this Team USA thing, look, I don't care about the Spurs winning or losing. I care about Team USA winning or losing. And they have not been winning. I think they're, I think they're like 9-5 and five under Popovich, which is a winning record, but insane. I think, that, I think Team USA had lost two exhibition games out of like 56 games prior to this cycle. And now they've lost two in a row. It is crazy. It is alarming. It is nerve wracking. And we'll see. By the way, last thing here, they, they, they may have a chance to add some role players because I would be stunned if the three players who are currently in the NBA finals, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, all show up. One of them, at least one of them is going to win the NBA title. And you're going to want to celebrate. And, but you're going to have to go immediately from, from this grind of playing four rounds of the final of the, of the, of the playoffs in after in a year in which you already had a crazy year because of the pandemic that you're going to now go straight to the Olympics and play without no fans. Um, I, I don't know. That seems like a great a great gig for some of these people, like, say, a Devin Booker. But at the same point, uh, so, so, they, so they have to add a, a player or two. And, and, you know, hopefully it's not just the guys on the select team that they've been using a little bit because those guys are well below even the role player status. I'm not discounting any of them, but they're not even guys who are in necessarily NBA rotations, um, and, and they shouldn't therefore be viewed as people that you could use on the Olympic level. But at the same point, maybe, you know, I am curious to see what they do. Do they have people on call who are, you know, Popovich talked about this team has been, lack of conditioning has been an issue. Sure, I can kind of get that. This whole offseason has been crazy. I'm sure once the season ended, these guys were like, hey, um, you know, I'm going to go check out. Maybe, I don't know who, I don't know exactly when they knew they were going to be part of Team USA. Beal was deciding up until the relatively last minute and he didn't commit until after the Wizards um, were already out. So um, you know, I, I'm not saying Beal is out of shape. I'm just saying for any of these guys, just it's not even necessarily a physical thing. It could be a mental thing. You're taking a break. I know for me, having just been in LA, I'm not necessarily focusing on the, ro- the, the pool of, ro- the, the, the roster pool for Washington. I'm focusing still on the pool up the street that I want to go hang out in. Uh, that's where my mentality is at right now, if I'm being honest. I can only imagine what these guys who have millions and millions of dollars and all the, you know, all, all the, all the toys in the world where, where, where their head's at, um, 
But look, you committed to the Olympics. This is a big deal. Hopefully they can turn it around and get gold. I just think it would have been a lot better, a lot easier, if you had a roster that made sense to win, not just a collection of all-stars. All right, that's it for me. Uh, enough out of me. Uh, I talked a lot. We've got more podcasts coming up. Training camp isn't that far away. Um, by the way, I, I didn't say this earlier, but I'll have a story out this week on um, – Daryl Green as part of our Football 100 series, and I'll have a different story on another player not related to Washington as well. So you can check that out on The Athletic for sure. But that's it for now. Ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya.